0: Welcome to the SF Weekly Podcast. I am Nick Veronin, your editor in exile, and I am joined by Kevin Murderface, Murderface, Murderface Hume. What up, Kevin?
1: What up, man? What was the drummer's name again? I, Pickles, right? Was it Pickles? <laughs> well, let's,
0: let's, let's, Pickles let's, let's. let, let's let listeners know who aren't, um, you know, who didn't waste their, their 20s, uh, watching, uh, <laughs> watching this show what we're talking about or uh, their teens or their teens oh god (laughs) um uh we're talking about metalocalypse it is an adult swim program about a um the world's biggest metal band death clock and um kevin is a metal fan i am also a metal fan kevin's a bigger metal fan than me i would wager but um (laughs) (laughs) we just found out that uh that that at least it's been greenlit you know who knows if it'll come to fruition but there apparently is a metalocalypse uh f- feature film in the works it says it's uh, uh coming to HBO Max so
1: that's cool that's um, cool um
0: also venture brothers and Aqua Teen hunger force um oh, of those yes. three shows what's your favorite kevin
1: oh god um I mean, they're all good for different reasons. Um, I mean, I loved Aqua Teen. I think that was the first thing that really drew me into yeah. Adult Swim. But like Metalocalypse is amazing because, I mean, it's a show about a dude who loves metal and a band that's like bigger than Metallica. Uh, that is like almost like a corporation, essentially the size of California. <laughs> you know uh i mean it's ridiculous and and i came to venture brothers later but dude it's it's so good too and like uh i think i think they canceled the show finally after it i mean it sort of always sporadically debuted um you know like it, it ran just so infrequently but I don't know, like, it's kind of rad that Brendan Small has, like, gone from just so many different things to glom onto this and legitimately releasing his own music, Mm -hmm. too. Like, it it just adds an air of legitimacy to a show that just could have been, like, a, you know, just a ridiculous look at metal. Instead, it's, like, poking fun at it from a loving point of view, so... I don't know, they all have a special place. Brandon
0: in my heart. Small of course, the the guy behind uh Metalocalypse. One of my very first sort of like magazine features that I that I wrote after college Ooh. was a profile of Brandon Small for Brandon Small for the uh now long defunct um local music rag zero magazine that uh that south yeah. bay um uh, south bay music aficionados may remember uh from places like streetlight records and skate shops um and uh, yeah. yeah the the 2008 recession took that out but um metal uh, I discovered it. I forget exactly how, but like there were there are just a few episodes that really stand out in my mind. The murder face, murder face, murder face thing is, I guess, the, the bass player w- William Murderface. Mm-hmm. He, he legally has three ladle, last names: Murderface, Murderface, Murderface. Pickles, the drummer. <laughs> There's face. the two. Pickles is like balding with the dreadlocks. Um, uh, yes. The, yes. The
1: two... The uh, the skulllet. <laughs> almost skullet. like the skulllet.
0: The two guitarists are of sort of uh, uncertain, um, a Nordic um, Nordic origin. Yeah. I like when they learn how to play the blues. They're like they call oh,
1: that's my they favorite call episode. Guitars, grandpa's guitars. Oh, when they go to uh, the the crossroads and they make the deal right. with the devil. Oh, that's like my favorite. And it's from like right. season one, but it's like and my favorite. And he has
0: song. to like actually tie um, like cinder blocks to their fingers so they don't just like shred because that's all they know how to do. You just <laughs> want to be like. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's one of my favorites. What's the singer's name? Nathan? Nathan. Uh,
1: fuck. Nathan, Nathan Explosion.
0: explosion. The other episode that really stands out because it's sort of an inside joke with my friends is like uh, that because it was around this doesn't matter why. But we it's a reference point for me and my friends. And it's like um, when they record in the submarine and he's trying to get funding for it from the studio or whatever. And um, he's like, no, not on the ocean, inside the ocean, in the deep
1: it's our the deepest
0: darkest
1: the Mariana Mariana's train <laughs> there's so many good ones like uh anytime i i i always think of do you like coffee <sighs> anytime i make coffee
0: um it rem- it uh, also reminds yeah, me of like great. what we would kind of joke about in our band we like we wanted to be metalocalypse we wanted to have like a an like a like a a fortress that could like fly into outer space and and the guys in death clock like basically kind of like have that they they they're like richer than god um it's totally yeah
1: their fortress that's defended by millions or at least hundreds of unknown minions that they just refer to by number (laughs) i believe
0: Good show. Venture <laughs> Bros is kind of a, a like a, a riff, a uh, big riff on like Johnny Quest. Um, yeah. The, I don't know the guy's actual name, but the and, guy who plays Putty in Seinfeld is a voice.
1: Yes. Uh, fuck. God, I'm, memory sucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that show like the two the two kids the venture brothers are really funny because they're so there's typically whiny <laughs> teenagers man you know they just sound like that all the time um but yeah brock uh brock yes that's right yeah um they he's really good on it and like their their dad is really ridiculous and and funny and smart um, but it's all about it's all about the villains That's on true. that show like the villains are what make that show you know mo- the the moth uh you know and all the uh, just like so much like villaining on that show is <laughs> just brilliant. i and, like, like it
0: and then and then aqua team yeah. the just the totally absurdist uh show about um a milkshake yes. uh a, 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 a box of fries and a, a wad of meat and of course they're neighbor uh carl who has like carl. a um a preposterous unreal polish name Br- brutana oh, God, Wowski or something that? like that yes um yes. you know typical uh
1: who's a big fan of rock
0: <laughs> you know this is a good way to talk about uh, uh danger doom that's a great album that was an aqua teen um uh mf doom rest in peace uh collab back in like the yeah. early 2000s that was a great album so many great lines from aqua teen some of those episodes haven't aged well um but so it?
1: yeah i mean was a show like that like it's the, the, humor, <laughs> the humor was transgressive
0: and um some of it now is like uh, um and, and it should have been yeah, back but, then uh but you know we've come a long way i think as a society hopefully Anywho, oh, did you see the first Aqua Teen movie? I think it's kind of long. It's hard to make Aqua Teen into an hour and 15. Like, I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, the movie's ridiculous. I mean, the best part of the whole movie is the very beginning where you don't even realize it's beginning. And then it's uh, Mastodon (laughs) doing the fucking song where they're like, don't talk much.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, that is the best part of the whole fucking film. The rest of it is—I mean, if you're an Aqua Teen fan, there are parts that are enjoyable and you yeah. will like. Uh, but the best part is that I return to all the time don't, don't, is watch. fucking Mastodon. Yeah, wait, wait. Does it open
0: up with one, one of the? Let's part. go out to the lobby. Is that? That's right.
1: Yeah. So they start with that. Like that's what it is. Like they do that, and then all of a sudden they're walking through, and then it's just. Matt, like you know, a cartoon version of what their version of a cartoon version of Mastodon with there's just like feedback and they're just like menacing <laughs> over those like characters, and then it just starts, don't talk, watch it's one of my favorite things, yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, another thing I wanted to touch upon is we're getting a little bit of hate mail, we ran an opinion Ooh. piece about. Burning Man being canceled for a second year. I believe the, he- the I, b- I believe Man. the sub headline was, uh, you know, uh, if if burners really want to uh, leave no trace, they should just stop going to the Black Rock Desert. Um, <laughs> now, the the full disclosure here is uh, we're getting called out because the the writer who wrote this hasn't been to Burning Man. I haven't been to Burning Man. So Mm -hmm. that's the first thing I'm going to say. Nor have I. And that's fair. But
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I want you to, I want to also say all you folks who get mad at me and our staff for expressing their opinions. You can tell us we're wrong. That's fine. We can take it. But in the words of the stranger, as played by Sam Elliott in the big Lebowski, Sam Elliott, the voice of core core's banquet and dog dram. Yes. In the the voice, in the words (laughs) of the stranger, do you have to use so many curse words? Let's be polite here. Come on. <laughs> I mean, what about, you know, radical empathy out there in the desert? Secondly, you can tell us we're wrong again. That's fine. But the writing is not bad. That's demonstrably false. We don't publish, we don't publish shit writing. Get it right. The writing's good. um, And, you know, I guess, I guess that's what I I have to say in my defense. Um, I know you, you just said you haven't been to the burn, Mm -hmm. but I think you have a close friend who, who is a burner and, you know, we don't want to, we're not trying to cancel burning man necessarily. I mean, we kind of say like, we kind of say that, but you know, we under, it's, it's an opinion piece. We also understand that there are people who get a lot out of the the thing and, uh, you know,
1: yeah, you know my my guitar player in my band uh, is an artist, um, and helps out. He's gone numerous times out there to help another guy uh, make this really crazy piano art installation. And you know, I feel for him that he can't yeah. go and take part in doing that and making the community that's associated with that. Um, as far as I don't know, like I I, I feel like it's easy to 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 yeah. hate on burning man just because it's sort of become a part of the ubiquitous tech exodus or tech you know yeah. people go to tahoe people go to burning man you know it's just it sort of lumps all into that rich culture that's come and and just takes advantage and gloms on to the next mm-hmm. big thing like that or whatever you know when i mean it had a san francisco Origin it has san francisco roots you know started i think on ocean not maybe not ocean beach Beach, but yeah yeah, baker beach um and it sucks that you know the progenitors of that type uh, of that event you know maybe don't get to keep carrying it out um but i mean you know with everything it, it seems like there are people that come in and just sort of start to slowly change it for the better for the worse whatever um and you know i feel for the people that genuinely want to go out there and make community um and you know have a good time i don't really feel so sad for the people that just want to go out there to be a part well, here, let know. me let me let me I, jump I'm, in I'm here this taught. is what i'm
0: saying the thing is obviously incredibly popular it's obviously changed people's lives in, 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 in ways large and small, I think sometimes, uh, the, the, the glowing stories might get overshadowed by, um, stories of people who have really terrible experiences for, you know, lots of different reasons. Um, you know, the story we wrote goes into the fact that, you know, um, um, polyamory, you know, sexual freedom is a big, you know, part of what Burning Man's about, but with that comes, you know, um, people who push it too far, um, so, you know, I think there's been lots of instances, uh, that have been reported in other media outlets of, um, unwanted advance, mm-hmm. uh, unwanted advances. And that's just the, the, the lowest, uh, the, the least of the worries there. I, um, I'm not going to get too far into it, but just use your imagination. Um, what can happen in the desert, mm-hmm. uh, when there's like no police around and everyone's on drugs. Um, and then yeah. but what, I, what I'm saying is it got big and it got big for a reason, and there are people involved with the organization that are making a ton of money and it's okay for us to criticize those people. Um, if, if they're not, if they're not yeah, doing I everything, mean, you know, if, if they're not, that's what happens. You get big, um, and, and, and people start paying attention to you in a different way. And and that's what we do with politicians and that's what we do with corporations. And that's, you know, that's all we did here. I think.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's good to hold anything accountable, be it a, a music festival or an experience. Um, you know, you don't want to see something homegrown turn into like Firefest or whatever. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? And like that yeah. is that's sort of what I feel like things like Coachella uh, and other things that started really small and have turned into this huge thing have the danger of turning into, you know, you want it to feel like it's that homegrown thing and it it can't be that way, but you still want it to be close to what it should be. And it's hard to do that
0: consistently. And, um, this may be just because I'm shy, but let me paint a picture for you here, Kevin, wide open desert, no cities for hundreds of miles, beautiful Milky way streaking across the sky. This is a place that's difficult to access. Four-wheel drive is recommended. You have to bring all your water. You have to bring all your food. You have to bring everything and pack it out when you leave. Um, this is actually what a ton of BLM land and national park land and state park land look like, <laughs> out, right. you know, out in Southern California and in Nevada. Um, and uh, you want to know what the cost of admission is? A free ninety, free ninety nine. Uh. You don't have to pay hundreds of dollars and you don't have to be, uh, stuck camping next to some dude who's going to talk your ear off about the time he did, um, blow with Mark Farina. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, (laughs) so I I like camping. I understand why people must love Burning Man and, um, maybe one day I'll go. Um, I'm not pretending that I understand it, but I am going to say, you know, I don't think, you know, just because this writer, um, hasn't gone Veronica, or I haven't gone. And I'm, you know, the one who edited it. I don't think that, um, necessarily disqualifies us from looking at reports, uh, and, and commenting. And that's also an opinion piece. So there you have it.
1: Yeah, it's exactly. We have our rights to opinions.
0: I had a shirt when I remember, did you, do you remember the shirt I had It's an obnoxious shirt? It said, Every it was like a shirt that Mac from Always Sunny would wear. It had words on sh- shirts with words on them. It said, "Everybody is entitled to my opinion."
1: I think I remember that.
0: Typical Nick T-shirt. Typical twenty-something Nick T-shirt. If if you've ever listened nice. to this podcast and thought I was insufferable,
1: oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Just for fucking remembering uh, teenage and twenties oh, yeah. Nick. Uh, leave it there. It's it's been it's been toned down a lot, folks.
0: (laughs) Anywho, um, yeah, coming up on the podcast, we're we're gonna take a a a different tack here and talk about transportation. Um, Benjamin Schneider had last week's cover story on uh, the fentanyl opioid overdose crisis. He gives us another big story this week about. Um, what the future of transportation could look like in, um, Northern California and in the, the, the greater state connecting the massive 21 County, um, re, uh, 21 County, uh, Bay Area, greater Bay Area, Northern California region with this thing called link 21, um, high speed rail down to Los Angeles. So you could, uh, take the train down, watch the giants beat the Dodgers at Chavez ravine and come back in a single day, um, Some of it's pie in the sky. Some of it seems like it actually is going to happen. And uh, yeah, Ben has that story. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back. And we're joined once again by SF Weekly staff writer Benjamin Schneider, who this week wrote our cover story yet again. Thanks, Ben, on um, the epic plans taking shape to transform the Bay Area's rail network. Uh, the plan, known as Link 21, actually aims to connect the 21 counties of the Northern California mega region with fast and frequent trains. The centerpiece of the rail program would be a new train tunnel under the bay. But there's a lot more to it than that. And Ben is here to explain it all. Thanks for joining us, Ben, and helping us wrap our minds around this epic, uh, epic rail plan.
2: (laughs) Thanks for having me, Nick.
0: Yeah. um, So I think the best place to start would be if you could quickly list off the specific projects that are um, part of the Link 21 program.
2: Totally. So yeah, as, as you mentioned, it is a lot to wrap your head around. Um, So I'm gonna try to do this as concisely as possible. Um, There are 13 projects associated with this this program that is being called Link 21, that's being put forward by BART and and the Bay Area Council. Um, The first big project is a second Trans Bay rail crossing, probably a tunnel uh, for trains, probably BART and Caltrain and or uh, Capital Corridor trains. Um, And so those two kinds of trains run on different types of tracks. So it would need to be a four train tunnel across the Bay. Um, And then that tunnel itself could unlock some other opportunities for more um, rail lines in San Francisco and Oakland that we can talk about later. Um, But so that's the first one. And that's the biggie that everyone's going to be talking about as this this thing, um, you know, continues to gain steam as a proposal. The second one is Caltrain electrification, which is um, Eventually, going to make Caltrain uh, more like BART, running you know pretty frequently, every 10 or 15 minutes or so, and, and faster than it currently does. Um, number three is the downtown extension, uh, which will take Caltrain and eventually high-speed rail trains from the current Caltrain terminus at Fourth and King into the Salesforce Transit Center in downtown San Francisco, the the big bus station with the park on top. There's a Uh, underground area there that is eventually going to be a train station. So this downtown extension would um, fulfill that by bringing trains into the basement of that, of that station. Then there's BART to San Jose, um, which is already kind of uh, underway. Uh, There's, there's a station, there's a BART station now in North San Jose, but the rest of the plan would actually take um, BART trains into downtown San Jose and connect to Diridon station where there's a Caltrain station. Uh, number five is a new transit corridor paralleling the Dumbarton Bridge between Fremont and Menlo Park. Um, and that is still being decided whether it's going to be trains. Um, they're also talking about uh, autonomous shuttles. Uh, so there's a lot of discussion about what that could look like, but that's also um, part of this, this larger program. Number six is California High-Speed Rail, which is um, a really long running plan that is, um, underway, but has had a lot of problems to build a super fast train line between San Francisco and LA, um, that could make the trip in, in under three hours. Um, so that's part of this too. And then I'd say this next series of projects is a little bit more distant, maybe from people in San Francisco, but I'll, I'll just get to these quickly as well. Um, there's Valley link which is a plan to connect Bart, BART's terminus in uh, Dublin ne- on the 580 um, and, and add a, a new rail service between there and Livermore and then over the Altamont Pass into the Central Valley. Then there is Valley Rail, which is going to take the ACE train service um, north to Sacramento and south to Merced. Um, ACE currently runs just between Stockton and San Jose, so this would expand that. Um, Then there is the extension of the smart rail system in Sonoma and Marin. Um, And so that would be taken from its current terminus in in, uh, Santa Rosa up to Cloverdale. Um, And then yet another piece of of the smart system um, is is being talked about as the um, North Bay connection, which could connect the smart tracks in Marin to um, the Capitol Corridor tracks somewhere in Solano County. So that would um, basically connect the smart system to the rest of the statewide rail system. Uh, Then there is uh, an ongoing plan to bring Caltrain into Monterey County and um, add more potentially rail lines around Monterey and Santa Cruz areas. Um, Then there is two uh, sort of more abstract and longer-term projects, the Capital Corridor Vision um, and the Altamont Corridor Vision. So Capital Corridor is the existing train service that goes between um, the East Bay and Sacramento. And so there's all these plans to make it better and faster. Um, the Altamont Corridor vision is basically to do the same thing for the ACE trains that I just mentioned that go um, along the 580 between Stockton and, and San Jose. Um, so that is all the projects. I know it's a lot. Um, and w- we can talk more about the specifics of some of the ones I think are probably a little more relevant to people in San Francisco.
0: Yeah. Real quick. You said Cloverdale, which um, isn't Boonville, but it remind every time I go through Cloverdale, I tend to go through. I'm going to to Fort Bragg, sort of the Mendocino Coast, and I thought of uh, there's a there's slang in Boonville for uh, uh, a payphone. They call it a Bucky Walters. <laughs> That's just
2: a thought that I had. Wow. Well, someday you can take the train to near the Bucky Walters area of California. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that is a lot to keep up with. Um, which are th- which of these are the most far along?
2: Yeah, so I think one of the most interesting things about this piece and doing this research is that there is actually some stuff happening um, maybe a lot faster than, than many people think. Um, a lot of these discussions are happening in these very technical um, meetings and um, bureaucratic processes, so it can be really hard for normal people to keep up. Um, but then once these projects do get underway, they have a huge impact on people's lives so I, I think that's important for um, the public to have more information about what's going on with all this transit stuff um, and so the the stuff that we can expect to see the soonest um, the big one I think is Caltrain electrification which is close to done actually in terms of the, the construction project of it um, and it originally it was supposed to open in 2022 uh, it looks like that could get pushed back. We're going to get an update in June about when when it's expected to open. Um, but but certainly within the next couple of years, Caltrain is going to start running electric trains. And those trains are going to go a lot faster than the current trains. Um, and eventually they're going to enable Caltrain to run a lot more trains um, closer together. So that, as I mentioned, it could become more like a BART style service with like frequent all day trains um, running up and down the peninsula. Uh, and then there's Bart to San Jose, which I mentioned. It's Bart is now in San Jose as of 2020. There's a new station in North San Jose, um, and the uh, the project to get those trains into downtown San Jose is um, pretty much all environmentally cleared, um, and it, it appears the money is is in place. So that is supposed to start construction, I believe, next year. Um, and be finished, be, be operational by 2030. So it sounds like a long way off, but certainly San Jose can expect a lot of construction very soon for for that Bart line. Um, and then uh, a couple of those those more distant projects, these, the Valley Rail project is actually underway. They're, um, there's new stations under construction in the Sacramento area and in in um, Modesto that are going to be served by ACE trains. Uh, that are coming online soon within the next couple of years. Um and this Valley Link project is is also weirdly far along. Um that that will uh you know add a new rail corridor along the 580. Uh that is expected to start construction within a couple of years as well. Um and that will be be a, a big deal potentially like closed lanes on the 580. So um there'll be a lot going on in that part of the Bay Area with that project pretty soon. if if all goes, as the planners hope. Um, And then I think a couple more that are worth bringing up are this downtown extension in San Francisco. Um, They've got their routes planned out for that, uh, and they've got some funding. Um, But I think in the next couple months, we're going to hear an update about uh, updated funding and updated sort of plans for making that happen. Uh, But there's definitely movement towards getting started on this downtown extension. bringing trains from Caltrain's existing station at 4th and King to to the Salesforce Transit Center. Um, And then finally, high-speed rail is under construction in the Central Valley of California. um, And they are working to basically finalize their plans for building the really complicated and expensive tunnels and mountain passes that are going to go between the Central Valley and the Bay Area and Southern California. Um, so, So those those plans should be finalized in the next year or two. Um, like exactly what those train lines are going to look like, but, uh, getting the money together and, um, starting construction is going to be another matter. So we'll see that that could, could be harder.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Let's take one more step back. Um, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of these projects are in the short term, in the near term, going to, uh, result in a lot of construction, um, lanes shut on major freeways. Who's behind this proposal? And what's their argument for trying to get all of this built?
2: So the lead agency that's working on this um, is BART. And uh, within BART, actually, their administrative offices also kind of uh, shares uh, staff with Capitol Corridor, the, the rail line between the East Bay and Sacramento. So they're kind of working together on the sort of planning and public outreach process of this. Um, but they have the support of the Bay Area Council, which is a really influential business group in the Bay Area. Um, and so they have also, the Bay Area Council has also released these supporting um, documents to, to show why they think it's really important that the Bay Area um, make these kinds of you know epic transit investments as well.
0: So... How could all of this actually happen? how can, How can this come to fruition? what's What's the reality? what's 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 the future yeah. like?
2: Well, I think um, you know the way that. So, how it could happen is, um, essentially, very likely you'd need to see a uh, ballot measure for p- perhaps these twenty one counties of the Northern California mega region um that would maybe be a sales tax or some other kind of tax to provide an ongoing source of funding for for building a lot of transit infrastructure i think if biden's president biden's uh infrastructure bill passes that would be a huge boost to to a program like this um and and more state and uh state funds as well as well as sort of political champions like not just bart planners but um say, if Governor Newsom uh, were to say, I I really like this, that would probably help a lot. Or Mm -hmm. even if, um, you know, Mayor Breed um, and other big city mayors in the Bay Area started to get really excited about it and and push it, um, those things can really matter for building infrastructure. Um, But I think I'll also add that, uh, you know, whether those things happen, whether you start to get the big politicians involved, whether... um, you start to see more money from the federal government and the state government Um, that I think will be related to how seriously those, those entities want to take climate change, um, which is sort of one of the big arguments for building this, this infrastructure, because in California, uh, transportation accounts for about 40% of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, And so, you know, building these electric trains um, would, would really help uh, reduce that. Um, and I think another argument that, that these planners and politicians would, would make is that um, you know, the Bay Area already has a lot of issues with traffic and overcrowded BART trains and stuff like that. So um, the, the answer there is, is not going to be to build more lanes of traffic because cars uh, take up so much space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of physical square footage that is taken up by car that has no people in it. Whereas with trains, you can fit a lot more people, um, in a, you know, this narrow trackway. Yeah. Um, so that is, you know, as we've seen around the world for over a century, um, you know, the way to move a lot of people in a little amount of space is with, with trains and buses. So, um, you know, I, I think the, whether this thing can happen is a matter of how seriously, uh, leaders and, and, um, institutions in in the Bay Area are going to take those concerns.
0: Well yeah thanks so much for your reporting Ben. Um, it's a big story. We broke it into two pieces to try to make it uh, more digestible. you can um, pick it up on uh, newsstands now um, and you'll be able to read it online at our website sfweekly.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Dick. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's edition of the SF Weekly podcast. The episode was produced by me, Nick Veronin. Our inimitable co-host is Kevin Hume. Our audio engineer is Mike Huguenor. For more hot takes, deep dives and alternative views on San Francisco news, pick up an issue of SF Weekly, visit our website at sfweekly.com and subscribe to our podcast. See you next week.